to Plan K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it four episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yes, this week we started a new K-drama. We started It's Okay to Not Be Okay, right? That's the right words in the right order. You nailed it. I get it wrong every time I say it in my head. <laughs> like, it's okay and things are fine and okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do. It's okay to not... No, that's right. It's okay to be not okay, which is a dumber title, but not that far off. <laughs> it's two words switched. Um, two words switched. You'll never even notice when I start calling it that. It's kind of like... um I. I sometimes think there might be something wrong with my brain because I cannot spell out loud. Uh, if someone asks me how a word is spelled, I cannot tell them how it's spelled. I have to write it down and show them how it's spelled. I don't know why I can't spell out loud, but... Wow. Yeah. Fun fact. Fun fact. That's about... Raquel's fun fact for the week. Yeah. That's, my, that's <laughs> all I have to share with you is that I cannot spell out loud. <laughs> We are going to try and keep up our news section, even though we don't really have news. It just feels like three years is the right amount of time to start telling you guys the tiniest bits, the tiniest, tiniest nuggets of information about Miracle's real life and just who we actually are. Barely part the curtains, you know, just like <laughs> little peekaboos. I hate actually that I just called them that. It makes me deeply uncomfortable. Um, if this is your Maybe first talk starts early, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to Play on K, uh, two things. We almost never do this at the beginning. So if you go back to our old episodes, you will find exactly one episode that we did this, and it was the episode that Emily announced she was pregnant last, not last week, the week before last. Whoop, whoop. Boop, boop. Big news. Yeah. But, and we can't top that. We no. have no news going forward. And we didn't before that, and we won't maybe ever again. I mean, like <laughs> when the baby is born, that'll feel pretty big. Um, and but from besides that, yeah, there's not much going on. So no. set your expectations low, buckle up, prepare for five minutes of Emily and Raquel. Just us. Just us. Just some. Just some stuff. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, this is all anyone's talking about, but like lockdowns are happening throughout the country again, which about time. I'm I'm in that camp. Sorry if y'all aren't. I'm in the camp of um, try not to overwhelm the hospitals and the people that work in them. And I know that it's inconvenient to shut stuff down and it's scary. And hopefully uh, our government gets more serious about providing help for people because that also needs to happen but yeah i just utah's doing that so i'm gonna have plenty of time for k-dramas so that's exciting have you started any no but i do need to you posted on our patreon join us on patreon if you want to see some bonus content uh emily watched record of youth last month and then wrote a review about it, and um, I'm really excited to watch that one. So I need to get that one started. And then I've got some Korean movies that I have saved. Oh, like what? Mm. Do you remember any of them? I 
don't, but I have my computer right here in front of me conveniently, and so I can just really quick pull up Netflix and hopefully it doesn't start playing um, <laughs> like a trailer. That's a fun thing Netflix does that I love for us. My list. Uh, oh, I've been wanting to watch my mister. I have that saved. That's a show, not oh, a movie. But I want to watch it, but I know it'll break me. Yeah. But yeah, IU is always like perfection, so I'm excited to watch that one. There's also a clip that's been going around of IU saying fuck and throwing a tennis racket at the ground, and I think that's from a show she did called Persona that I believe yeah. is also on Netflix that I need to watch. <laughs> um, And then the movie that I was thinking about, oh, I have Memories of the Alhambra saved. Got some Hyunbin. Oh, I did save Persona. It is on Netflix. So that's on my list. And 26 years. I have no clue what it's about, honestly. I haven't even read. I just watched the trailer for it and I was like, okay, we'll save it. (laughs) I've never heard of that. I just finished the zombie movie Alive and it was super good. It was good? Yeah. I... That looked really good, and I'm super into zombie movies. It was a lot more emotional than most zombie movies, which I was into. Not quite as, like, groundbreaking as Train to Busan, but still more focused on the emotions that the main characters go through instead of just, like, survivalist horror movie the whole way through. So I liked it. I like the balance. I like that balance, too. I've always been, I think, maybe I've talked about this on the podcast before. I'm not sure if I have, but a big thing for me is I love the horror genre, but all of my favorite pieces of horror media are are not about just, and this people, this group of people try to survive and it's scary because there's zombies or like, you know, stuff like that. It's usually there's themes that you'd find in other types of media, but it's just within a horror setting. Like, um, I made my boyfriend watch uh, World War Z with me for Halloween. He hates horror movies. He's not scared of them. He just thinks they're super boring. Okay. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, But anyway, uh, I made him watch World War Z with me. And uh, I like that one because it's more about I don't know. It's about finding the cure, but even the cure itself is kind of an interesting thought. Like, I don't know, like the steps they have to take to get there. It's not just people trying to get from point A to point B, um, though there's a lot of that too. Or just, I don't know, uh, Hunting of Hill House is another big recommend for me. And that one's like about family and trauma and loss and uh, dealing with all of that as as a family and it's really good yeah we finally started that last month yeah we need to get back into it it's been a minute it has i've had too many doctor's appointments lately freaking baby too busy. freaking baby <laughs> just kidding it's 100 percent me i don't blame the baby anymore i realized it's just my body rejecting pregnancy <laughs> oh, no. but i think a lot of people go through that yeah. Um, it's just hard I'm to... grateful for my ability to carry a baby. I'm very excited for this to be happening. Yeah. It is awesome. 
Like, you're making a person, and that can't be easy on anyone's body, so... Yeah. So it's not baby's fault that all I can eat is chicken nuggets? (laughs) We got a review on iTunes. And a new Patreon subscriber. Yeah! Yeah! I guess that's kind of my news. The Patreon subscriber is my mom. Shout out to my mom. Thank you. That was my birthday present. She <laughs> gave me $5. For this month. Uh, for Continu- this month. Continuing. It'll keep coming. <laughs> I'm going to cash that check. Um, yeah, thank you, mom, for subscribing to my Patreon. She'll never listen to this. No, thanks, Diane. She Thank you. Shouting into the void. <laughs> but it was my 25th birthday last week. That Happy was my birthday. news. birthday. Thank you. 25. I thought it would be such a big one. Like, what a cool number. Nope. Nope. I'm going to save it for next year. We're going to do 25 all over again in a better year. Heck yeah. Um, Yeah. At this point, I've just realized that no birthdays feel big, really. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't make want to make that sad. Like, you can make your birthday as big as you want to make it. But, like, I don't know. None of them have felt... Even when I had, like, my 21st or my 18th, none of them... I think there was just too much build-up, you know? There's too much build-up mm, for birthdays. And there's then a lot you, of hype. Yeah, you get there and you're just like, oh, it was hyped. And it just... Does it live up? I don't know. Usually not. Sorry. <laughs> but Aww. not like in a sad way, but just in like a, it's not like I, for my 21st birthday, went out on a big like bar crawl or like, I did fun things. It's just that they are the same as every other birthday, really. Like I have dinner with my family and um, that's something I'm super grateful for, but it, ha- it has happened every one of my 27 years. Except this one, actually. This one I requested we don't do anything because of the pandemic. And what were my older family members upset with me? Yes, they think that the pandemic is a joke. But, you know, that was my contribution to the world, was not having a party. Oh, And I feel like being away from home may have added to this, but I think I've realized that you gotta build up birthdays in your own mind. They're not ever gonna be the super sweet 16 that we all watched on MTV growing <laughs> up. You gotta, like, I don't know. I've appreciated every birthday because I got to celebrate it with family and friends. And again, maybe that's the past three years. My birthday's getting smaller and smaller until we don't do anything at all for any holidays or birthdays out here. I live in Japan. If this is your first episode, <laughs> um, middle of nowhere Japan with just my husband. And yeah, so now this year we did nothing for my birthday. And I feel like it really fell on me to just appreciate the process of growing older and also appreciate all the birthdays that I've gotten to celebrate with family and realize that going out and doing things isn't something that makes me happy anyways that's why we've lived in the middle of nowhere of japan for so many years because we enjoy being at home alone that is my happy place so just being able to do that for my birthday was fine yeah and i gotta hype that up myself that's 
a state of mind that I've got to get hyped about and be like, 25 was great. What a great birthday because I got to do exactly what I wanted, which is sit on the couch and watch K-dramas. That's a good attitude. I think I'll appreciate being back home a lot more. Been real homesick this year, and I'm excited to celebrate holidays and birthdays with family and friends again. Yeah, that'll make the big difference. I think that's another thing is like, this year, I was so prepped to do all of the let's never celebrate another birthday away from each other again thing with you. And then 2020 was like, ha ha ha. Ha ha, no, stay here. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, next year, ideally next year, but you know, who's to say what the future holds? But we'll celebrate yeah. a bunch of birthdays together, a bunch of holidays together. Yeah. I'm so glad that the person who shouted down the stairs earlier let my dog out so he could go get a squeaky toy to bring back down here for <laughs> recording. That is what really makes this a really good experience. He's happy and that's what matters. That's my dog. If you, this is your first time listening, that's what this episode is. If this is your first time listening, that's my dog Maurice and he has a squeaky toy and he's happy. He's a happy boy. I'll read the review while he squeaks. So that you can just silence your end. <laughs> Good idea. And maybe he'll tucker himself out. We got <laughs> a review on iTunes. Thank you so much to Too Lazy to Do Anything Else. That is a perfect username. I love it. Um, they said, fun. Enjoyed their enthusiasm. Five stars. What? what? Oh, that's so nice. Okay, the review is... I found their crash landing on you podcasts and enjoyed the fact that they let, oh my gosh, that they loved it as much as I did. Some of the background aspects they were able to share was informative. We'll be checking out their Goblin podcasts next. Keep up the great work. Whenever anyone goes back to listen to our older episodes, I always want my initial gut reaction is to say, okay, good luck. Let me know how that goes. Okay. My reaction is don't. <laughs> it's like, please don't. Don't it, ever listen to our old Goblin episodes. They're been so too old. old. I can't vouch for them. I don't know who that Raquel is anymore, honestly. <laughs> I cannot vouch for her. We don't remember those girls. We don't remember that show. <laughs> no, I remember Goblin. What a groundbreaking show. But, wow, were we new at podcasting, please don't judge us. Yeah. So if you go back and listen to them, just remember it was a different time. Um, but thank you so much, too, too Lazy to Do Anything Else. That was a really thank nice you. review. That was a nice review. Um... We've rambled on for a really long time. Yeah, I didn't think like, we would do it for this long, and I'm sorry. I mean, it's been like 20 minutes, but I think it will cut down a little bit in edits, so we can jump into our review of It's Okay to Not Be Okay, episodes yeah. one through four. Episodes one through four. I don't need to start us at a bad place because this show is so amazing, and I'm already so in love with it. But I, we were kind of being petty before the podcast started, and now I'm all warmed up and into that space of mind. I say get it out of the way, honestly. Like, get the pet. We'll get the any issues we have out of the way first. That's how we'll structure this issue, this issue, this episode. <laughs> and then we'll 
just fawn over how good this show is afterward. Okay, I literally only had two problems with this show. One was a fake-out cliffhanger that they did at the end of episode three, which was um, our main character, Gong Tae, saying to the female lead, uh, Moon Young, he's like, should I give everything up and just play around with you? Or like something like that, way more romantic and cool. And then beginning of episode four, he's like, nah, probably shouldn't. And <laughs> I was like, I don't enjoy cliffhangers that do that. Mm-mm. Maybe that's just me, but it feels petty. Feels yeah. like clickbait. Yeah, it does. That is the um, media, like the K drama equivalent of clickbait. We are still going hard with that squeaky toy, y'all. Don't <laughs> get it out. Um, my real rant, my real petty rant, is about um, Judy, who I often call Julie because I am the worst and I am American. Um, Julie is a whole lot of character packed into the most beautiful, sweet, kind actress who I am sure is a great person. And I hate everything about her so much. Yeah. I I hate Julie. I think there's a special... uh place in um, my brain that I reserve for I mean we call ourselves petty talking about her but it's super special petty to be someone who uh, plays himself off as a pretty decent person that then completely succumbs to stuff like jealousy and frustration and takes it out on other characters while still maintaining that like Ugh, I'm just I'm the innocent one. I'm the good one. I don't like the I'm the good one ideology. And I think that's what this show is about. is like digging into the hypocrisy and the two-facedness of people. So it's on brand. Yes. But yeah, it's horrifying. It's hard to deal with, especially with someone who works in a mental hospital, like in a psychiatric ward. Um and deals with all types of mental health across all spectrums like just she has to confront a lot of people's issues and she's very forgiving of every single person's issues unless they are flirting with the man that she likes in which case she is not forgiving of their issues (laughs) so for me it's three issues that i have with julie Number one is that she's the second female lead. Yeah, don't love that. I'm just never here for a love triangle. Mm -mm. Like, that is number one. That is me. (laughs) My preference for K-dramas. Nothing she could do about that. And I'm sorry. But that's number one. And it clouds everything else that she does. Um, Number two is long-standing crushes that you've done nothing about. Yeah, I, I know it's terrible of me because it's so hard to tell someone that you have a crush on them, but to be like, I've had a crush on you for like however many years and to see someone else likes you and to be so like vicious about it and like, yeah, jealous and uh, possessive is like, no, 
No, Julie, you have done nothing for how many years of this relationship. You do not get to come in here and be the jealous background girl. Like, tell him you like him or don't. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to that poor communications thing where it's like, if you can't communicate how you feel at this point, then your communication isn't going to improve. We know that because you're not having a relationship because you can't communicate what you want from that person. But then to still, yeah, feel any amount of ownership over your relationship with them when you can't even tell them that that's what you want. It's a lot. It's hard to deal with. Yeah. Number three is the biggest, and you can tell me whether it's valid or not, because I feel crazy for thinking this way, but I also feel like it is where she crossed the line for me of she invited her crush to work at the same hospital as her and live in her house. And then, like, without telling him that she had a crush on him. To me, it's like you've either got to be upfront about that and be like, hey, like, before you take this job that's in the countryside three hours away from where you're living, and before you move into my house where I am living, I need to be honest and tell you that I have a crush on you. You can tell me that's not going anywhere. You can tell me, like, you're interested as well. Like, you get to have your feelings. This will be a back and forth, but I need you to know that before you move all the way out here. But to, like, have this control over him, have him dependent on you for his work and his housing and still have a crush on him and be like, I'm going to make my move now. When my mom's here, we're we're going to both really make a move on this guy. We're going to tag like, team him. That feels like a different level of sexual harassment. Like, it's not, it's okay to have a crush on someone, but it feels like sexual harassment to, like, get them to be so dependent on you and then make your move on, like, moving your crush along. Right. Like, wait until they owe you because that oh that's such a creepy way to start anything right? i do not want right any person that i am attracted to to owe me anything uh without knowing that you're attracted to them if right. he was like all right like you have a crush on me and i'll tell you up front i don't have a crush on you is it still okay if i live in your house and she was like, yeah, like, I'll work on my feelings. I'll get over myself. Like, this won't affect our relationship going forward. That's totally kosher. But to be like, you're in my house now. And my mom's just going to give you a bunch of rice and be like, I've picked my son-in-law. And I'm going to, like, I, uh, it's that, like, K-drama thing where I don't know anything about Korea, obviously, but... I've watched a lot of K-dramas, so I've seen that someone, like, taking extra food that you don't want or, a, like, taking a shot on your behalf is, like, kind of a relationship move. So her, like, taking the rice out of his bowl and being like, I'll eat it for you is, like, don't. Yep. I don't care for it. I don't... Uh. And, yeah, it's hard because all of this is covered by the fact that we know she is the second female lead. Like, she is not... Yeah. The secondary... She is a secondary 
lead. And yeah. yeah, I feel like if the female lead did all of this, I'd be like, yes, queen, get it. This is such a good idea. Like, yeah. I am broken on the inside. My radar is thrown off. I also am, I, as soon as that all came out of my mouth, now I am wondering how broken I am because of how often I prefer a male lead, but do not prefer a, f- or sorry, prefer a secondary male lead. Like, like that is the trope I always fall for, where I kind of always prefer the person that the female lead doesn't go for, but they're there hovering in the background being a much better person than the male lead, typically. Um, and now I am so concerned. My feminist soul is cringing <laughs> and preparing the matchbox to just light it all up in flames. Um, I am so worried because I don't know if there's ever been a secondary female lead that I have preferred over the female lead. Mm. But I do it a lot with male leads. Am I being mean to women? I am so concerned. I think for a while I was concerned about that. And it's it all came down to the third point for me where I feel like I joked about the the female lead could pull off that trope and I joked about it being just a problem of the secondary female lead but I feel like Julie was pretty cool I hated her because she was the good guy and I wanted the leads to be together and she was the very normal like stable choice who should have ended up with the lead for like the first two episodes she was very cool and we knew that she was the better choice for a relationship But then she did the move-in thing, and to me, that was so manipulative that it feels like she crossed a line, and I don't have to root for her anymore. That's a good point, because I I actually did like her a lot beforehand. Um, So yes, actually, we're good. I feel like it's only when I'm talking that the squeaking is... Yeah, it's really only when you talk Uh, that he squeaks. Yeah, I love that for us, my son. Can you go to bed? Go to bed. Um, so... <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Teddy rant over. Yeah. Those were all the things I dislike about Julie. Now we can move on to one thing I want to get out of the way. I actually, I think that we had similar, like, issues, so we're done with all of our negativity toward the show, I think, for this episode. Um, Dope. But there is one thing that's been on my mind. Okay, so her manager? Yes. I am 90% sure I could have looked it up before we started this episode of the podcast, but here we are. I didn't look it up, but I am 90% sure he was the best friend of Park Bogum's character in Encounter. He owned the restaurant, the like oyster oh. restaurant or something, or the like mussel, or I don't know. They ate some kind of seafood. I think they ate. Sea Welk. Oh, it was. It was a Welk restaurant. Um, and I think that that is him. And it took me a minute. It actually took oh. me until he caught the feelings for Julie. Uh, yeah. Because then I, it seemed like such a familiar moment. And I was like, oh, he's been in another drama as like a secondary couple before as well. That's crazy. I didn't recognize him at all. 
Yeah, he plays such a different character in that he was like the likable best friend, and in this he is the manipulative but also completely exhausted manager. Yeah, I feel like he hasn't done that bad yet. I feel like he's just so desperate all the time that I can write off any of his bad behavior. That's true. Even when he's like bribing people that clearly don't want money and just want to be left alone, you can just tell he's been there before. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, trying so hard. He's trying so hard to bribe people to not talk about this woman who's pushing people down staircases. Yeah. And you're like, his job is just maybe hard. He maybe picked a writer that would make a lot of money. And hopefully he didn't know at the time that she was willing to murder people. Yeah. And sure, he may be really mean to the actress who played the best friend in her private life. But <laughs> his poor assistant. Yeah. Oh, I feel bad for her, but I love that actress so much. She's so good at being like the pushover character who's secretly like, nobody can push me over. Yeah. I am very strong willed. Thank you. Thank you. Next that I don't worry about her very much. Yeah, I also very low-key love her hair. Um, yes! And the streaks in it that stand out. So I feel like it's a hairstyle that will age itself very quickly. Like, it's not a yeah. timeless hairstyle, but I love it. It's amazing. It's very cool. Yeah. Yes, I love that office and their chill vibe. Yeah. They're chilled, neurotic, like all just trying to survive. Looks so perfect, yeah, <laughs> and always trying to survive with this person. It's really hard with this show, like being so in your face about how prevalent mental illnesses are and how they should be talked about in a certain way. It's hard, especially with the female lead who hasn't been like properly diagnosed with anything, to not be like. They have this maniac running around the office, torturing them all. Like, this show is like, let's not throw around words like maniac or crazy. Because it could be an actual mental illness, which I think, um, I mean, I, I did look this up because I wanted to be as respectful as possible when referring to her mental state. Uh, so I wanted to refer to it as whatever... I guess, the intention of the writers was. So I wanted to see if it was, I guess, unofficially diagnosed or, like, outside, so, like, meta-diagnosed or whatever. Um, and it is, like, all of the um, synopsis synopses that I could find or, like, all of the little summaries uh, talks about her having anti or antisocial personality disorder. Like, oh. most websites. I know it said that on Wikipedia. And then... Um, it seems like there was one other place that I, like, cross-checked. It might have been Netflix and just, like, how they described the show. But, um, but yeah, most of the places that I saw described her as having antisocial personality disorder. Which is interesting because this would be the second K-drama in a row that we've watched that kind of confronts that. But it's in a very different way because, like, it was talked about in such a sinister, like, serial killer way in the last K-drama we watched. Um, go watch Flower of Evil. It's very good. And listen to our episodes if you're interested. Um, 
but yeah, it's it is a completely different drama because this I think I mean that was about the mental health issues but like the destruction that having those mental health issues that aren't treated can um that like how destructive it can be emotionally physically like lots of issues come up with it all but then this one is so interesting because it's all about emotional healing and even though hers is technically untreated i think um she it's it's framed so differently and she's being given like this option to finally go down a path of emotional healing and and deal with having this um mental health difference that i don't know that she she knows she's different she's aware but like she was never diagnosed and never really given the option to talk about it any other way than just being like mean and and like people call her psychotic and and so yeah i think that's really interesting but then there's so many other different mental health things that they confront in this show which is amazing and the way they handle it is really good yeah i think the interesting thing with the antisocial personality disorder in particular is that in flower of evil it was very internalized with the character who was diagnosed with it whereas in this show it seems like they're depicting it as the consequence of her having antisocial personality disorder that is not diagnosed is that everyone around her is suffering or trying to hide it or, yeah, compensating for it. Right. And she is not dealing with any of those consequences. She doesn't have to be confronted with any of it. Like, she attempted two murders Within the first four episodes. And no one even, like, it It gets put on, like you said, other external characters to handle whatever the fallout is of those actions. Yeah. It's such an interesting juxtaposition between the two shows where her success has brought her this network of people that have to deal with the consequences of her actions. And it's, yeah, fascinating. I think... I'm so worried for Gong Tae. I th- love their relationship so far. I love that there are so many things that she can see about him that he can't see about himself that are helping him grow. Mm-hmm. Even just within these first four episodes, you can tell he's getting a lot from their relationship. And that's obviously super nice to see because you expected that her having this undiagnosed mental health difference would be kind of the point of the show is like him healing her uh, and I'm glad that it's very mutual yeah like just because she has her stuff doesn't mean that she can't um, I guess make a difference for other people in a more positive way it's just going to be it's going to take a special person who understands her and where she's coming from and i think they've set a character up in him very well for something like that where he's worked in the mental health field his whole life and is also the primary caretaker of his autistic brother and so he um he just is so well set up to understand i guess that 
there there's just because there's something wrong with her doesn't mean that she is inherently bad that sometimes people are just like and and she still like has so much value as a person um even though he obviously is like slow to come around to her which i think is also understandable like that even though he can see that like the positive in her or like maybe he doesn't think she's inherently bad he also um doesn't necessarily feel personally responsible for that currently yeah um which i think is good because if he was if he was just like a savior that would be boring that would be uh i think he would be a much more boring character if he was just like and i will stay here and make sure that everything goes well for you even though my life is falling apart yeah because as much as we root for the main characters uh as much as we want the romance in our k-dramas we know that this one especially is could be problematic mm-hmm. and could not be what's best for Gante especially and it's nice to see that they're trying to balance that a little more they're not relying completely on you just being a k-drama fan and wanting the lead characters to get together they're showing that he is capable of making these decisions about what he wants his relationships to look like and he is able to help her while expecting to receive something in return yeah it's very good they're doing a very good job of handling really um delicate and definitely not um it's hard to like put it into words i guess like it it isn't healthy like neither of them are necessarily healthy people but like they are still whole people and like they're trying to deal with all of that and it's just the way they're handling it is so very good because it is such a delicate situation and such a a delicate balance that you have to strike with all of this to not make it too heavy or like too much and fall into that old thing where like Emily and Raquel are like, oh, these people just need to get away from each other. Uh-huh. It's nice that they do sometimes. They're like, yeah. uh, we're gonna get away from each other. Thank you. It's a no for me today. Yeah. I'm gonna go home to my home. And <laughs> you aren't invited and you don't know where it is. So goodbye. <laughs> we're done. Love that for you, Gangte. Yes. Keep that going. If you need While to... she's pushing people downstairs, let's separate ourselves a little bit. Yep. Love her f- or even tolerate her from arm's length, like currently, because so far you have very little reason to do anything except that. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep that energy for just another minute. <laughs> Slow burn this one. Yeah. But. On the flip side, they've done such a good job of developing her character in a way that even though she's dangerous and, like, harmful and you shouldn't want her to, like, you shouldn't trust her, but at the same time, they've developed her so well that there is a lot of compassion, I don't know, that that you feel for an empathy that she's been through so much and is just, like, handling it. And also, I guess, her own self-awareness to the extent that obviously like she's not self-aware enough to actually care or feel bad about her 
bad actions, but she also doesn't color herself as, like, a good person in this world. Yeah. I think her writing helps a lot with defining her character as well, where especially I think it takes away an aspect of potentially pitying her for all that she's been through, where she is not a character who would want to be pitied. Yeah. And it's hard to appreciate K-drama characters who are just pitiable. Like, they're just pitiful people. And she's been through so much that she walks that line. Like, watching the scenes between her and her parents, she could just be a pitiful person. And it's amazing that it shows that she is giving back to the world and sharing her perspective with kids who she thinks could be in situations close to hers. It mirrors, in, I think, the first episode, her story with the girl whose father also tried to commit familicide. Mm-hmm. Patric- no, patricide is when the parents get killed. I don't know what it is with the... When the I think it's familicide. Familicide. When I don't know if it, I don't know where her mom is, but I think she might have already been out of the picture. So if that is their whole family, here we go. Let's get into criminology. Here we go. Are you it ready? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's Emily and Raquel talking about shit they are not qualified to handle. Once again. You thought we were doing poorly with the mental health stuff? Oh. Well, let's jump into criminology. Buckle up. We will blow you away with our lack of knowledge. (laughs) Here we go. Um, They mirrored the stories really well of showing that she didn't grow up just um, pitying herself, feeling bad for herself. And she pushed through it. Like she dealt with the emotions that she was having. She appreciated her misery and everything that she'd gone through and wrote books for people in similar situations to also grow. And that's like, that shows a level of compassion coming from her that I think you wouldn't have been aware of if she weren't a writer. Right. And it doesn't come across as compassion, like immediately offhand you have to actually think about it and be like, oh, this is really the only way she knows how to relate to other people is through her writing. Because you see her at fan events and talking to people, and she's so terrible at it. Oh, she's not having any of it. She is. (laughs) But then you read her stories, and you can't help but cry at every one of them. And it's, yeah, it's incredible. It's a very good show. It's a very good show. Um, you know what's buck wild is how much nudity they, Im- I guess it technically implied nudity, uh, but <laughs> how much nudity there has been in the first four episodes in this sh- of this show is just so, I would say 100% more nudity than any other <laughs> K-drama combined. At least any of the K-dramas we've watched this year. For some reason, we we really avoided much skin. Yeah, have we? but, like, have we seen any K-drama where even, like, it's really heavily implied, like, this person is naked, we have put an elephant face over his dick. 
Um, I don't think I've ever seen one go that far. I do think I've seen K-dramas that do comedy with, like, someone running around naked mm. and having it blocked out. But I've never seen an elephant used. I think that was particularly on the nose. Uh, uh, I see what you did there. I couldn't think of a better phrase. <laughs> you wanted to so badly, I could tell. I wanted out, but there was no way out. We'll just keep digging. Yeah, I mean, just in general, we run into it very, very periodically where um, a K-drama is pretty, like, I guess, I don't even want to call it sex positive, but just sex acknowledging. Um, and this one is definitely among the top that I've seen, like, that is fair, that acknowledges that people want to have sex with each other and talks about it. Like, there's a character that, like, says it, and not even in a raunchy way, but is just like, I, yes, I am a horny person. What more do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very new. I think that one, like I said, I feel like the nudity I've seen has either been like men in the shower mm. that is oh, a very common the k2 shoot how did i even begin to forget that scene all over the place with the six-pack abs yeah yeah yeah. k dramas love that mm. or the opposite end comic nudity of like running around with a pillow over your private parts like trying to get out of a situation and it's very goofy and silly yeah i think this k-drama has both of those and then also aspects of like serious talks about sexuality and yeah that is surprising right yeah that's been interesting um and i thought was definitely worth bringing up in the podcast i don't know i don't know i just thought that it was almost jarring because I'm so disused to it in K-dramas. <laughs> I run into that, though. Like, I, I'm not going to say this is the only time it's ever happened because I think I've made that mistake in the past where I'm like, this is, like, the only one they have sex in. Like, this is the only <laughs> one. And that's not true. But usually it is barely implied. Yeah. Or very weird. Yes. Yep. The sex positivity is good. Yeah. I think my favorite part by far is the amount of styles that they have used in this show. Holy I wanted cow. to say animation styles, but even there's that scene with the assemblyman's son where he's walking through the nightclub and then he's running into the street and then there's like explosions and car crashes and that clearly wasn't like quote unquote animation but it was a separation from the regular story and the regular show in the same way that we had Sangte like dancing through the streets and all the all the shops turning to animations and all the cartoon birds floating around like they were both equally separate from the regular show yes i love it because it every time it's happened it has felt like seeing it is seeing the perspective of the character that they are focusing on. Like, um, yeah. Song Tae and his, he's having a really great day and everything he sees is art. Like, it's all, 
everything's artful and he's he's an artist and that's just the point of view of his brain on a good day is colors and and happy animations and that it it's amazing and then yeah you you go back to the assemblyman's son and his mind is building up all of this drama around his really glamorous lifestyle as he sees it and it's just it's so it's such a cool way to interpret the point of view of these different characters especially because every character they've done it with is someone who would see the world extremely differently because of whatever like i guess whatever mental difference they have from everyone else like yeah now that you say that i feel like that was what happened when we first entered the uh, house in the woods that moon young lives at where it was very clearly like suddenly a horror show yeah it was a totally different vibe and now that you say that that makes so much more sense because she's got all these children's books that are so grotesque and creepy and you're uh kind of wondering if the house is haunted but it's probably not very everyone who has talked about it has said like it's not haunted by ghosts it just there's something about it that has driven someone at least one person perhaps two insane in the past and to see Moon Young also walking through it and having doors rattle and footprints appear on the ground. Like, you saying that now makes it so clear that, like, none of that stuff is happening. It's not ghosts. It's not them implying, like, there's something in the house. It's just them being, like, she probably senses those things as, like, part of her memory and as part of her perceptions and it just how she sees the world now. Yeah, it's just it's very dark the way she sees the world. And yeah, oh, it's so awesome how they play with those different like you said types of I guess filming or sin- like sometimes it's animation. Um sometimes it's just a really exciting loud different scene and sometimes it's a horror film. Like it's just really cool. It's just really cool. I mean, they started off with the most beautiful theme song in the world with all the paper cutouts. They immediately had like a claymation of the story of the little girl in the forest. And I kind of thought that would be it. We would stick to like one or two. And I love that they've explored so many styles. And my mind is just blown now that you explain why. Oh, that's so cool. I'm really excited to see more of this, and I hope they kind of keep that up. Like, I know it will be hard to just continually switch from point of view to point of view, but the way they've done it so far has been so subtle, and it's just kind of like, and this is how this person sees the world, and I hope they keep doing that with different patients. Though, at this point, I don't know. I don't know. They have a couple of patients at the psychiatric ward that they focused on a bit but one of them was the assemblyman's son which it sounds like he'll be released soon and what a like beautiful little heartbreaking side story that was yeah um and then you see like the the they're not a couple but like they're always presented as a pair 
so I guess like I'll say the pair of people like the guy and the girl yeah um, and then the other girl who's like can't get a read on her I don't know who nope. she is or what she is but she said some messed up stuff like that time that um Gong Tae had to be like girl no you can't say girl, that no. to her you just brought up her trauma to her in a really dark way not cool not cool and then at a later scene, I, she just says something really cryptic, like, the storm is coming. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. spoofy when you say it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but she knew. Uh, yeah, the whole cast of characters. It's that thing where you you can't decide if you want them to keep adding to it because it will be so fascinating as we get to like meet new characters and see all these different viewpoints but at the same time, you want to spend enough time with your main characters to keep getting a read on them and know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how they keep playing with all of that. Um, oh, did you recognize the director of the... <laughs> yes. Instantly, Mr. Hong from Coffee Prince. Yes. I, this is, I think, the only other thing I've seen him in that I can think of. Maybe I saw him in something else before Coffee Prince, but... Yeah, I'd have to look him up. Yeah. But I was happy to see him back. Yeah, and I really like that character. character. Yeah. Fascinating dude. Oh, I'm so excited for this show. Me too. I'm excited to watch more and see where they take it just th so much has already happened in the first four episodes and, but I also feel like there's so far to go with these characters story dang yeah dang all right we'll wrap up here if you guys have thoughts that you want to share with us about this show or any other k-dramas you can email us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com yeah, or we have our website where you can find a couple different things, including our full episodes. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletters to see when we start new K-dramas. We send out an email just to give you a heads up on what we have just watched. And then uh, there's also a link to our Patreon, and that's all at playonk.com. Yeah, if you want to find our Patreon directly, it's patreon.com slash playonk. We have lots of bonus content there if you sign up and subscribe to be our patron and help out the podcast. There's blog posts uh, and bonus episodes for shows that never made it to the podcast. There's watch parties that we do every week with our subscribers. And of course, you'll get a shout out on the podcast. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And then we have, we're on a couple of different streaming sites, uh, streaming podcast platforms. I don't know. I change what I say, I think, every week. But, it, you know, like Stitcher, iTunes, um, all the places that you can find us pretty much anywhere, I can think, that you love to listen to podcasts. And if you rate and review and subscribe there, it really helps also, it helps other people who love listening to K-Drama podcasts find us. So give us a hey there. Yeah, and last but not least, we are on Twitter and Instagram. Our Twitter is at PlayOnK, and our Instagram is at PlayOnKPodcast. And there you can find out what we're watching and when our episodes come out and 
just keep up to date on our latest news. And of course, you can say hi. We'd love it if you did. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's just about it. So catch us next week for episodes uh, five through eight of It's Okay to Not Be Okay. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Thank you.